us things to come. Oh, Father, open our eyes to these truths, Father God, that we can see these in the light that you, you meant for us to see them, Father. That we would take your very character, take on your very image, take on your very nature, and walk as you walked when you walked this earth. Oh, we thank you for that, Father. Now, Holy Spirit, we look to you as the teacher. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation today. Simplify your word to us, Father. Your word is not difficult. Your word is simple. You said in your word, Father, to come unto you as a child. So, Father, simply we come to you today, Father. Hearts and eyes and ears open to receive what you would have to say. Being led by your spirit in everything that we say and we do. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for everything that's being accomplished and deposited into our hearts today in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Eric. Glory to God. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Got some very basic things I want to share with you this morning. Very basic. But you know, sometimes we need to go back to the basics. You know, just as we prayed, Jesus himself said to come unto him as a child. You know, we make things way too difficult. We think there has to be formulas and plans and we find all the steps and walk out all the steps. And there are certain things we have to pack. We're going to look at some steps today because there are some things that we do have to follow, some things we do have to do. But keep it simple. Here in Psalms 119 and verse 89, notice what the psalmist says. He says, forever, O Lord, notice, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is settled in heaven. In essence, what he's telling us, his words are eternal. And they cannot be altered in any way. You know, one of the things that we have to learn, especially in regards to direction in our lives, I was, I was talking to someone this morning. When God gives instructions, he doesn't say much. He only gives a few words. If he gives you direction in your life, he's only going to tell you a few words. I know there's times that different people have brought it to me and I've read them and stuff and they'll have a prophecy that someone gave them about their life and it'll be two and three and four and five and six pages long. But you know, really, if you read that prophecy, there's one little theme in that. And probably someplace, God gave them a short word, short sentence, short phrase of what they were supposed to do and they were looking for more. And God, because He loves us so much, He'll do anything He can do to get that truth across to us. Try to show us what we're supposed to do. But notice, he says his words are eternal and they will not be altered. So what he's telling us, if we'll find his promises and grab a hold of those promises, they don't change. Jesus himself said in Hebrews, he says, I change not. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And of course, who is Jesus? He's the Word. So the Word doesn't change. It's the same. What you see in Genesis and Exodus and Kings and Chronicles and Proverbs and Psalms and all the way up through into the New Testament, it's the same. The Word is the same. God does not change. If He did it for Abraham, He'll do it for you. If He did it for David, He'll do it for you. The key is having His Word. So we want to take a look at some very simple things today. You know, God's given us a lot of promises in His Word and He wants them to come to pass in our life. He wants them for us more than what we want them. So, first of all, just some different steps to take a look at in regarding obtaining the promise that God has for us. 
First thing we got to do, we got to locate the promise in the Word of God. Now, sometimes this is a word God is speaking to you directly. Good example of this is the property that we're on. The Lord spoke to Pastor John, told him, buy Walmart property. Again, that's all he got. Go buy Walmart property. Well, then Pastor John said, well, what's Walmart property look like? Well, he figured that out. And he took the steps, but that was the word of the Lord. But whether it's a word God speaks to your heart or whether it's the word that you find in the Scriptures, this is healing service. Well, there's plenty of healing Scriptures in here. But the first thing to do is to find the word of God that regards your promise. We're too quick to pray sometimes. An infirmity will come upon a body. Symptoms will come upon a body. And immediately, we just start speaking something out. But you know what's happening? We're saying something out of our head and not out of our heart. We've got to get that word down into our heart. The Scriptures tell us, Jesus Himself said, it's out of the abundance of the heart that, mouth, that the mouth speaks. Not out of the abundance of the head. It's got to be heartfelt. It's got to be from the heart. The message paraphrased in Psalms uh, 119, verse 89 says, What God says goes and stays as permanent as the heavens. Notice that. What you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. In Psalms 89, verse 34, he said, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my mouth. You know, sowing the word is like a farmer sowing the seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. So we find the promise, we sow the word. We have to sow that word, and of course, sowing that word is speaking that word and getting down into our hearts. Well, after we find a promise of God, what's the second thing we're going to have to do? We need to believe it. We need to believe it. Take God at face value. Take Him for what His Word says. Now, notice, we see here in Psalms that He says, His Word cannot be altered. So, don't you alter it. Don't you read something into the Scriptures that's not there. Don't you read something into the Word that He's given you that's not there. Simply take the Word that He says, and that's the Word that we go with. In Mark 11.23, we all know what Mark 11.23 is. We probably all can, 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 uh, can uh, quote it. But Jesus said in Mark, of course, remember Mark 11.22. He says, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. You know, that's the kind of faith that we have to have. The God kind. Or have faith in God. Have faith in His Word. But in Mark eleven twenty three, then He says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. Now notice, Shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Notice where the doubting takes place. The doubting will take place in your head. He says here, don't, don't let, Do not doubt in your heart. Now, we'll be looking at some things a little bit further as we get into this a little bit more. But understand something. He tells us over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, 5, and 6, that any image or thought that would come to us that is contrary to the Word of God, we have to take that thought or that image captive immediately and replace it with the Word of God. If you take a thought and you begin meditating on that thought, You'll begin to speak it. And when you speak something, you're taking ownership of it. Jesus said in Matthew, He says, Take no thought saying. 
So when something comes to us that's contrary to the promise of God that you have, contrary to what you're believing, immediately get rid of that thought. And your only way you're going to get rid of that is by speaking what the promises that you have that you're standing on. That's why number one is critical. You have to have your promise. Have your scriptures. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's a dozen. I don't know. But have your scriptures. One of the best examples, and most of you in here probably have read the book, but is the book that Dodie Osteen's A Field of Cancer. She had her scriptures. She went back to her scriptures every day throughout the day. She was keeping that word in front of her and alive on the inside of her. Look what he says in Matthew. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And Jesus said to them, Now this is where the disciples couldn't cast out the demon or the little demonic boy. And Jesus said unto them, and then of course they're coming back to him and they're asking him, Well, why couldn't we do it? And here Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing, now notice, and nothing, Notice that. And nothing, what? And nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, notice the amount of faith it took. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. I'd say every one of you have enough faith that you need for whatever you need. You've already got the faith. Faith is not the issue. You know, one person taught one time and, and, and said, and it's so true, if you look again, Mark eleven twenty three, he says in there, you see the word in there, believe one time, but you see the word in there, say three times. Saying it's going to take three times as much speaking as what it is believing. But he said here, if you had faith as a grain of mustard, see, now notice, you might what? Say. It doesn't say, you might think. Words create. Words paint an image. They give you a picture of something. You know, we said this before in Mark eleven twenty three, where it's talking about whosoever shall say into this mountain. That word say is in there three times, but all three of those words say have a different meaning. All three of them mean something different. One of them means you have to command it. But I like what the last word say is in there, or sayeth. It's our word for Lego. In fact, the Greek word is Lego, L-E-G-O. But you're all familiar with the kids' toys are, the Legos that kids can buy. What do they do with Legos? They build something. And that's what saying the word does for us. Speaking the word, we'll talk about confession in a little bit, but speaking the word is building something up in our hearts. Because you may not, even though you have faith, does not mean you believe. Faith requires believing and speaking. It requires it. It takes two parts. For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made. Then we see in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the believing part is our responsibility. And I'm convinced... That believing is an act of your will, and that's all it is. You make a decision. Am I going to believe? You're going to believe something. Let's be honest. We all believe something. So you're going to choose to believe the Word, or are you going to choose to believe the circumstances, or what you feel? 
You have a choice of what you're going to believe. Cindy, can you turn around and unlock? I guess it's unlocked. I thought it was locked. But you have a choice. And you have to make that decision what you're going to believe. And you know, that's half the battle. I think that's about 90% of the battle, to be honest with you. You just make a decision. Bless God, I'm going to believe what he said and go for it. Yeah, but I might die, Pastor Craig. Well, what better way to die than in faith? But you're all going to die anyway. Oh, we are. Really? Yeah, we really are. Just don't have any fear of it. Don't fear death. That's good. Yeah, we won't go there. Another thing to take a look at. Okay, we're located the promise. We're believing. Settle that the promise is the will of God for you. Don't have questions about it. Settle that promise. Remember the leper that came to Jesus, Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. There came a leper to him, Jesus, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and said unto him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. If you would, make me clean. What did Jesus say? He was moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. That settled it right there. He said, I will. And of course, God's not a respecter of persons. If he wanted the leper clean, he wants you clean. He wants me clean. Remember the... Uh, the man that was at the, uh, the pool of Bethesda, and there was five porches, and the angel would come down and he'd stir the waters. You ain't going to like this, but this is one of the reasons why some people aren't healed. Jesus had to ask him something. Jesus asked this man, do you want to be healed? See, he had to get permission from him to heal him. Now, think about this. We don't think about this sometimes. That man had been there 30-some years. I think it's 38 years. 30-some years. 30 years. People felt sorry for him. How did he get his provision? People had to give things to him. In our society, he was on welfare. we got a lot of people in this nation who will never go off welfare. You know why? They're not going to believe God because then they're going to become accountable. Do you really want to be healed? That's the question. But he said he did. And when he did, he immediately got his healing. So you've got to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Do you really want it? Are you willing to lay other things aside? Are you willing to seek first the kingdom. Are you willing to not do this or that or whatever the things they may take place in your life? If we want the manifestations of God's promises, it is going to require something of us. And I am convinced, and I think you would agree with this, that, that there are some infirmities that we deal with, all of us do, that don't necessarily lead unto death. They're a chronic thing. And we can put up with them. Some cases we pop a pill, whatever the case may be. And we say we're believing to be healed of that. But are we doing what we need to do to go after it with everything until we get the manifestation of it? Because it's so easy just to accept it 
It's, it's easy. We, I've done it. We've all done it. And we just say, oh, Father, I thank you for my healing. And day and weeks and months and years go by. And there's no change. Well, I don't think that's how God's Word operates. So the question is, we know it's not God. So it's got to be me. Now, there's a balance because it's not based necessarily on works. But once you do have faith and you are in the kingdom, it does tell us to be a what of the word? A doer of the word. And he goes on in James and he says, and it's the doer of the work that is blessed. It's work sometimes to believe the word. I mean, it is discipline to get up early in the morning and sit in his presence for an hour or two hours. Before you go about, I'm not saying don't go about your day. But are you going to seek first the healer? Seek first the kingdom. And that's what it's going to require of us. But you've got to get the question answered, is this promise the will of God for me? I heard this statement years ago, I like it. Faith can never go past a question mark. For it's the badge, if is the badge of doubt. If is the badge of doubt. Here's another step, a very simple step, one a lot of us overlook, and it says, ask God. Now, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. His word tells me this and tells me that, and all these promises are me, are, are belong to me. But he tells us over in James, you have not because you ask not. Remember the prayer of agreement. A lot of us like to, to pray that prayer of agreement. If any two on earth should agree as touching anything, they shall ask. It shall be done for them by my Father that's in heaven. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His Word, His Word or His will or His plan, He hears. No, if we ask for anything. Yeah, but you would say, well, that's not faith. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just asking for it, Father. It's mine. You said in your, you do it because his word says it. You know, over in Isaiah 43, verse 26, he tells us in the scriptures, he says, let us plead our case together. Why is he telling us to plead our case? I don't know. He says, do it. So what do we do? We do it. In fact, look at that a minute. Isaiah 43, 26. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou may be justified. I like the God's Word translation. It says, let us argue our case. Now notice, you're not arguing with God. It says, let us argue our case together. And he says, state your case so that you can prove you are right. So he's just telling us really what he's saying. Put him in remembrance. It's really keeping ourselves in remembrance of what he said. He wants to hear his word coming back to him. His word does not return void, but will always accomplish what it's sent to do. He tells us in the Scriptures, hasten not my word to perform it. Well, I was meditating on that this morning. Hasten not my word to perform it. And as I was meditating on that, I began to realize something, that when I take his word, it becomes mine. It's part of me. 
So I could really say, and not be out of line with the Scriptures, Father, hasten my words to perform them. Because my words are God's words, if I'm saying the same thing that He is saying. And He will hasten it. But see, what all of that does, it gets you over into a place of expectancy. And if you really believe, you're expecting You're excited about it. Because, bless God, I know it's mine. I have it now. Being in an area of expectancy. John 14, verse 13 and 14 says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, notice, that will I do. Notice, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. James chapter 4, verse 2, I quoted that, where it talks about you have not because you ask not, but the God's Word translation on that says, you don't have the things you want because you don't pray and ask for them. See, it requires words. Jesus asked of the man at the pool of the Sesta, do you want to be healed? He asked him something. He had to answer a question back. Now, another area, after we ask God, and this is probably one of the biggest challenges all of us have, is meditate on the Word daily. Meditate on the Word daily. And I know that, in fact, let's look at that first in Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Joshua writes, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. I think the area on this verse that, that really stumps a lot of people up is when he says, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And they have the question, How can I meditate on the word all day? And all night. I mean, I've got a life to live. I've got kids to raise. I've got a job I have to do. I've got things I have to do, places I have to be, people I have to talk to. How can I meditate on the Word day and night? Well, first of all, if you couldn't do it, He wouldn't have told you to do it. So accept that part first. I think we have a tendency sometimes to try to find a way out of things. Well, that's not possible. Well, either God is truthful or He's a liar. And I don't think God's lying. So if he tells us that we can meditate on this word day and night, then we can go ahead and we can meditate on this word day and night. Now, really, what, one of the things that he's talking about us doing is, is really is spending time. Now, get this. Spending time with the word so we get a word. To get that. Spending time with the word so you get a word. Notice, he says, meditate on the word day and night. He's talking there about thinking about it throughout the day. You get in your car and you're driving to work. You've got your scriptures. Think about them. Meditate about them. Roll them over and over in your mind. Yes, you get to work and you've got phone calls you have to make and people you have to talk to. But when you take a break, think on the What's the word say? Get that word right back in front of your eyes again. Put it on the little three-by-five car. Do whatever you have to do. But in your free moments, you can grab a hold of that word. You might be going to the coffee machine. You might be going to the restroom. What does the, Speak the word out of your mouth. Notice, you're going to have what you say. Now, meditating 
includes both thinking and saying. Meditating includes speaking. When you're speaking the word, when you're making confessions of the word, that is a form of meditation. In fact, the Rotherham translation of Joshua 1.8 says, Talk to thyself day and night the word written and the word spoken. The Moffat's translation says, This law book shall never cease to have been on your lips. This law book shall never cease to have been on your lips. See, what he's telling us is that we'll meditate on this word day and night. Notice, meditate on the word why. Why do we meditate? So that you may observe to do. So when you're meditating on the word, he's going to give you a word or instructions of what you must do. There may be, there's some action we're going to have to take. Now, sometimes the only action we have to take is speaking and believing. But depending what's taking place in our life, there may be something we need to divorce ourselves of. Some, maybe there's some food that we're eating at this point in time in our life that's causing that problem. And you have to get off of that food because you may be allergic to it, whatever the case may be. Now, after that fact, you find out what that is, then you can begin to believe God so you can get that part of your body changed so you won't be allergic to it. But he's after your healing just like you're after your healing. He paid for it. But he's telling us to meditate on that word day and night. Notice that you may observe to do. So I have to observe to do, but what do I do then? Do it. See, when you're meditating on the word and he gives you a word or gives you instructions or shows you things that you need to do, they're going to come to you very subtly. They're going to come to you as a thought or an idea that it's very easy for you to dismiss because you'll think, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it says, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. I, I was reading in a book recently of a, of a man of God, a very highly respected man who I have a lot of confidence in, and reading in his book recently, and, and, he, and the Lord said to him, He said, uh, You haven't been listening to me. He says, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit all the time. And the Holy Spirit is communicating with your spirit, and you're not catching at all what he's saying to you. You're not paying any attention. You're too busy. And this man of God says, man, the Lord said that to me, and I jumped up. First thing I did, I said, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I repent, because your word does say, my sheep hear my voice. See, we have to make a decision. Again, a will, a decision of our will. I am going to hear his voice. See, again, the scriptures tell me I hear his voice. You hear his voice. And see, I really do believe you're hearing his voice, but you're not grabbing a hold of it because you don't recognize it as being his voice. You recognize it as it being your thoughts. And it are your thoughts. Because remember what the Lord said to this man of God, and that's what the scriptures tell us. The Father speaks to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit, or Romans puts it this way, our spirit bears witness. And that's how he communicates, through thoughts, through ideas, through suggestions. The key is, does what I'm receiving from him line up with the Word? Okay, I'm meditating on the Word for healing in my body. A thought comes to me to take some form of action. Maybe quit eating a certain food, whatever the case may be. Well, what would that hurt? See, sometimes we've got to prove things out. If that's not something that you've thought of, then act on it. I mean, a number of years ago, there was a 
a minister that was having joint problems. And he couldn't understand what the problem was. So he'd been praying about it, was not getting any relief from it, so he decided, I'm going to set aside 30 days and go away someplace and fast and pray. And he says, within the first or the second day, the thought came to me, caffeine is what's causing that. And he said, I let that slip right on by me. And he says, for the balance of the time, I prayed and I fasted and so forth. And he says, about the end of the 30 days come, and he says, and the thought came to me. It's caffeine. He said, he told me at the beginning of my prayer time. I could have walked out of there, he says, in the second day. But see, I had to spiritualize it. That wasn't spiritual enough for me. He said, I went off of caffeine and within three to four months, all the, all the symptoms were gone. See, it was something that simple. Now, I'm not saying that it's a food that's causing your problem that's within your body. I don't know what it is. But I do know who does know. I mean, your Creator knows everything about you. He knows everything that we need to do. But it's going to require, again, something of us. He's telling us here, meditate on this Word day and night. Think on this Word. And be very attentive to the thoughts that come to you. Do they line up? Uh, is this something, Lord, that I should do? Maybe a thought will come to you and you're not quite sure. Well, then spend a little time on that thought. Write that down. Meditate on that. Lord, what about this? The Holy Spirit is our helper. He has been sent to help us. Every area of life, even down to the minor details of life, He's for us. His job is to make us look good. Really, that's what His job is. He's for us. He's a person. The, the challenge we have is I can't see him like I can see Pastor Chris. But you know, I can talk to him like I talk to Pastor Chris. I may not see the same, seem the same because he may not be physically sitting in a chair. But he's with me. He says he never leave me nor forsake me. Wherever I go, he goes with me. So if he's with me wherever I go, guess what? I can talk to him any time I want to talk to him. And why are we not talking to him? You know, one of the reasons I think we don't talk to him and ask him about situations that are taking place in my life is because we, quote, are in faith. And if I say something or ask some questions about it, that means I'm out of faith. No, it doesn't. If you are sick and you go to your doctor and you're believing God for healing in your body, and you go to the doctor, if you have any wisdom at all, and he tells, asks you what your symptoms are, you're going to be honest with him and tell him. Does that nullify your faith? No. That has nothing to do with your faith. So talking to the Holy Spirit about what's going on in your life is not a lack of faith. You know what you believe in your heart. You really do. So if you're talking to someone, you know if you're talking contrary to what you're believing. But there's nothing wrong with saying, Holy Spirit, help me with this situation. I mean, I'm standing on the Word. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I have not got my manifestation. You know what I'm, where I'm missing it. Show me where I'm missing it. If there's something I need to do, changes I need to make, reveal to me what they are. The scripture over in Psalms says, Be still and know that I am God give you your, your assignment for today. Tonight or tomorrow morning, sit down in your chair for 15 minutes and be still.
See if you can do it. Don't pray in tongues. Don't read your Bible. You just sit there and be still. And see if you can do it for 15 minutes. And if you pass that test, then go for 30. And if you can pass that test, go for an hour. But if you'll sit and be still, he'll begin talking to you. No, he won't. He always has been talking. You'll begin to hear. And that's the key. But see, what you're, what you're going to deal with when you do this, if you have not done this, in that 15-minute period, every thought will bombard your mind. So you're going to be spending 10 of that 15 minutes casting down those thoughts. And all you have to do is this. Mind, shut up. See, your mind is not to be in control. It has been. Our mind and our body have decided they're in charge here. And you've got to rise up to that place out of your spirit man, the greater one that's in you, and say, body and mind, no more. I now take ascendancy here. I'm in charge. And that's why we need to get our mind renewed to the Word of God. Meditation, as I said, is probably one of the biggest challenges that we have. But yet we can do it because He told us to meditate on it. You can do this. You can do anything in here that the Word says. Because you have a helper. You just have to set your mind and your will to the fact that I will do this. Another area after we meditate on the Word is cultivating faith, love, and patience. Now, we understand this. Nothing operates in the kingdom of God without faith. Because faith works by love. But it's the love that never fails. So we have to have the faith so we can walk in love. But we've got to have the love because it's the love that never fails. And the love is what will mess us up. Because it'll make you think, if you walk in love according to the God kind of love, the kind of love that the Scriptures tell us to, you'll feel at times you're being taken advantage of. But you're not. That's the highest form of faith that there is, is walking in love. Why do you think Jesus could walk through the crowd when they tried to throw him over the cliff? Because he was always walking in love. Love. If we walk in love, I'm convinced of this, if you and I can walk in the God kind of love, if we can get to that level and walk in the God kind of love, there's no sickness and disease going to stay on your body. Now, I didn't say things wouldn't come against you. I didn't say persecutions wouldn't come against you. Always there'll be trials in this life as long as we're in this earth. But like Jesus, do you see any place in the Scriptures, any place where Jesus was sick? But the Bible does tell us he was tempted in all points as of we. I believe he was tempted. You don't see it. Otherwise, the Scriptures would be false. But he says he was tempted in every area as we were. But when we're walking in that love of God, there's a shield around us. It's like a fiberglass shield. All those arrows continue to come at us. But they're not going to get through. Because love never fails. Never fails. And there's some adjustments we all have to make in this area. And I promise you, as we continue to grow, he'll always, he's only going to show you as much as what you can handle. Do you think, man, I can't do that, Lord? Well, if he showed it to you, you can handle it. And then six months later, he'll start showing you some other things. Oh, man, i got to do that now? Yeah, you get it. Because, see, his ultimate goal is you and I taking on his image and looking and acting and talking and walking exactly like Jesus. 
That's where he wants us to be. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, notice, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. In your heart, in your soul, that's your mind, intellect, will, and emotions. Emotionally even. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please them. No faith, or no word, no faith. So how am I going to walk in love? Well, I better know what the Scriptures say about walking in love. In fact, just a minute, we won't spend a lot of time on it. Um, you can write it down and you can look it up, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verses 4 through 8 out of the Amplified. Let me just spend a moment on this. Listen here. Love endures long and impatient is kind. Now, you can take this. Of course, this is out of the Amplified. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Every place that says love in here, you can put the word I. You. Because God is love. Of course, we're created in His image and His likeness. So, if we're going to walk in love, we should be people of love. So I could read it this way. I endure long, impatient, and kind. I'm never envious nor bold over jealousy or boastful or vainglorious or not display myself heartily. I am not conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. I'm not rude, unmannerly, though do not act unbecomingly. Love or love, God's love in me or I, notice, I do not insist on my own rights, my own way. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Have I hit some things maybe that you are? Like about half of them already or more? See, that's the reason you need to read this on a daily basis or a consistent basis so you can put yourself and remember. See, if you'll get this down on the inside of your heart, the more you say this, then the Holy Spirit, as our helper, has got something to go to work with. So, when we do take resentment, or we are tempted to take offense, He'll speak up down here on the inside and say, Craig, don't do that. Don't say that. You get ready to say something back to somebody. He's going to say, don't say that. I wouldn't say that. Don't say that. And sometimes we'll push right on through and we'll say it. And if you do, that's human. Say, Lord, forgive me. Be quick to repent, though. And he will. Because he knows we're children. Now, you might be 80 years old. You're a child in his eyes. I mean, I don't know how old God is. (laughs) We'll always be children compared to him. So it's easy for us to come unto him as a child. Let's just finish up here. Notice, love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love, or I bear up under anything. No, I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now, I have to continue to remind myself on this one. You see some, somebody do something, you think, well, that sure was stupid. But, you know, you're not in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. That's the reason the Scriptures tell us don't judge people. And, of course, another reason we don't want to judge is if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. But don't judge somebody else. Love doesn't judge. Because, again, we don't know what they're going through. We have no idea what's taking place in their life, why they acted that way or why they made that statement or did whatever they did. But love believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all... Notice, hopes are fadeless under all circumstances means you don't have to lose your hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is good. It's part of faith. So no matter what takes place, don't lose your hope. Love doesn't. Why? 
Love knows God's on my side. Love knows I've got His Word. His Word is not altered. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I've got His Word, I've got it. It's the same as having the manifestation of it. So no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what's taking place, my hope doesn't have to fade. And then number 8, verse 8, love never fails. Guess what? If love doesn't fail, you don't fail. That's hard for us to say that about ourselves. I never fail. Yeah, but I'll make mistakes, Pastor Craig. Yeah, but you're working on something. But we can get to that place. Did Jesus ever fail? No, he didn't. And he was not walking here in his deity. He was walking here in his humanity. Just like you and just like me. There's a place you and I can attain to. You know, you're going to miss it. We're human beings. And he tells us in First John that if we do, or yeah, in First John, if we miss it, to be quick to confess our sin, he's just and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I love First John chapter 2, verse 1, and he says, if you sin not. He's telling us there must be a place that I can arrive where I won't sin. Because if, he says, you sin not, there's a goal for us to work toward. We have to take it one hour at a time. Then begin taking it one day at a time. Then begin taking it one week at a time. And you'll begin to see, you can begin to live a life without sin because you'll begin looking down on the inside and the Holy Ghost is going to show us things to come. He's going to lead us into all truth. He's going to direct us. He'll help us stay out of sin because He'll direct us. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. We're talking about cultivating faith, love, and patience. James chapter 1. Again, we've talked about this one here many times, especially verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Notice when? When you enter into diverse temptations, not after you've been in them for a week. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now look at verse 3. Knowing this. So when a temptation comes... There's something you can know. Knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. But look at the next verse. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. Now notice, wanting nothing. If you're going to walk by faith, your faith will be tried. That's just part of living in this earth system. Because there's a curse on this earth and there's a devil in this earth. So you and I, if we're going to walk by faith, that's what he says. When you enter into diverse temptations, when temptations, trials, whatever come against you, count it all joy. You're not counting it joy for the temptation. You're counting it joy because you know very well, well, Lord, my faith is being tried, which is enduring patience within me. And as I walk through this thing, by your power and by your word, I'll lack nothing. I'll lack nothing. And that's what he's saying. But see, counting it joy is what gives us the strength to have the, pen, the patience to go through this thing, to walk through this thing. Because the joy of the Lord is what is our strength. It's what's going to give you and I the strength to be able to walk through this situation that we're walking through. So, once we're doing this, notice, patience is remaining the same it's not sitting here like this and waiting for this thing to get over with. No, patience is standing firm, 
remaining steady, doing the same thing you did in the very beginning, standing on that word. Staying with that word, not being moved by what you see, not being moved by what you feel, not being moved by what the, the, the commentators or the doctors or whoever are saying, not being moved by... No, this is what God's Word says. His Word can't be altered. It can't be changed. His Word is the same yesterday and today, forever. Is it work for Jesus? It's working for me. That's patience. That's patience. And we don't like that part sometimes. But patience is what develops character within us. After we've got the patience, then we take that promise. Now remember, we have the promises of God. We take that particular promise, that word that He's given us, or that we've gotten from the Scriptures, and we turn it into a confession. Make it personal to you. I thank you, Father, your word declares that by his stripes I'm healed. I thank you, Father, your word declares that I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. And in turn, I have wealth, health, and spiritual life. Taking that and making it, into, making it personal for you. Listen to this. I wrote this down this morning. Listen to this. When you confess God's word, you're coming into divine alignment with God. Confession not only means to say it like God says it, but it means, now listen, but it means to see it like God sees it, feel it like God feels it, and know it like God knows it. And this is what brings us into Christ-likeness. See, as you're saying that word, meditating on that word, speaking that word, confessing that word, you'll begin to get a picture or an image of what you're believing. And you'll begin seeing it down here on the inside. And you'll begin to grow. You'll begin to enlarge on the inside. You'll begin to become pregnant with that word. Just like a woman comes pregnant with a child. And as you continue to feed on that, and you continue to meditate on that, that word will begin to continue to grow and to grow. And that's why we got to, that's back to Legos again. As we're confessing that word, as we're saying that word, as we're speaking that word, we're building that image on the inside of us. Now listen, your responsibility and my responsibility is to obtain the Word, to walk by the Word, sow the Word, believe the Word, speak the Word. His responsibility is to bring the manifestation. So we let Him bring that manifestation. But you, you stay with that Word. You don't get moved off that Word. Symptoms may get worse. Pain may get worse. But you stay with the Word. You stay with the Word. You stay with the Word. Father, this is what your word says. And again, this is where we get, even with that confession that we've developed out of that word, we can go back to Isaiah 43, 26, and he says, let us plead together. Put me in remembrance. And really what he's saying, he's really saying, I believe, put yourself in remembrance. Keep that word in front of you all the time. And again, it's a form of meditation as well. And that'll be coming alive and bigger and bigger on the inside of us. He tells us in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called. Now notice, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The word profession can also mean confession. So you're constantly speaking that word of God. You know, when you got born again, you did that. You heard the word of God. You made a choice. You believed that in the heart and you confessed it with your mouth. See, when you're making a confession... Pastor John said this years ago, and with B and I, it really helped us. He said, when you're making a confession of the Word of God, first what you're doing 
is you're confessing unto faith, and then you're confessing in faith. Because, see, you've got to get that word deposit, that believing down on the inside of your That word's planted down there. But you've got to believe it. And you're constantly saying that word over and over and over. And, and it's like a... Some of you can remember the old payphones. Some of them you can't. But the old payphones, you put the little coin in the payphone and it go kaplunk. And that's what has to happen with the word. It's got to go from our head and it's got to drop down into our hearts. Now, that can be a word from the scriptures that he's given you. Or that can be a word God spoke to you about direction in your life. You have to do the same thing with that. You've got to take that word. You've got to meditate on that word. You've got to see that word. Well, when, before we got into this building, when Pastor John had it on his heart that, that uh, we were supposed to build on this property and so forth, he knew what this building was going to look like. He even knows what the next phases are going to look like. He's seen it with the eye of the Spirit down here on the inside. But the thing that really spoke to my heart one night he was sharing, <clears throat> he was saying, this building is so real in my heart that I can smell the coffee in the cafe. Now, we hear that and we think, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, when you've experienced that, you know what he's talking about. You have a, a dream or a vision on the inside, and when it becomes, and that's what has to happen, it has to become so real on the inside that you literally see yourself living it. If it's healing, you see yourself doing things, things you couldn't do before. And just because you see it, oh, that's mine, I've got it, it's mine, doesn't mean it'll come to pass the next day. But it does mean you're in faith. I mean, Pastor John had, had this building on his heart a long time ago. And you know, phase two was even delayed. But I believe it was in God's divine timing. Or you wouldn't have somebody drop a million dollars into this thing. I told Pastor John, I might have shared this with you before, but after uh, Brother Keith Moore gave... That million dollars to Pastor John, I think that was on Wednesday, on Saturday night, I was talking to Pastor John before the service, and I said, wasn't that awesome what, what, what Keith Moore did? And of course, we were talking about that a little bit, and I says, now there's something else in that that I think we've got to make sure that we see. I said, you know Keith Moore well enough. You've heard him say things enough. He doesn't do anything unless he believes God's directing him to do it. So if he believes that God told him to put a million dollars in yours, who really, who really is saying this is to be done? That's God's plan. That's why I was telling somebody last night, don't you be moved by what you see taking place at this church. This will come to pass. And there will be thousands and thousands and thousands go through this place. Now, there will always be pruning. There'll be some that leave and some that come. That's life. Some people will leave because they're disobedient. Because they're people. And others will leave because God's leaving them. For various reasons. We don't know all the reasons why God has people leave. Some, of course, many will grow up in here and God will send them out. Because this is a training center as well. Whatever you do, this is just a word of warning. It'll help you. Don't talk negative about what's taking place here. Because I promise you, God's hands on it. God's hands on it. And it will change a generation. That was just some side thoughts for you. But it would be real good to take heed to it.
Pastor John talked about the next area, next step a lot last night. I'll just finish up here with a couple more and we'll be done. Employ your angels. If you weren't here last night and didn't get the teaching, get it. We have got angels. Unfortunately, most of them have been unemployed. They've been standing around waiting for you and I to go ahead and do something. He says in Psalms 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, you His angels, that sell and strength. Now listen, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Notice what they do. They do His, God's commandments. Notice, hearkening unto the voice of what? God's word. If I have God's word in me and I am speaking it, guess what? They're going to hearken unto that word. It's another reason why confession is so important. It dispatches your angels. Now, if the devil, and I think you would agree with this, if the devil can influence people to do wrong, and who's the devil? A fallen angel. If he can influence people to do wrong, why can't my angel and your angel influence people to do right? Amen. But I've got to believe that. So I say it all the time. My angels are working. Bringing the money in. My angels are working. Influencing people. I've got phenomenal favor. Because my angels are working all the time. I'm always in the right place at the right time, saying the right thing, doing the right thing, because my angels are out there. My angels lead me and guide me and protect me. I've got the Holy Spirit, yes, but my angels also can help me. We've got to take advantage of them. They're there. The New Living Translation of that verse says, Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out His plans, listening for each of His commands. They're waiting for you to give them commands. And the question, when you do it, believe it. Again, they're going to influence people to do things. Not all people obey. Look at yourself. Or maybe all people don't obey right away. Just like any other are believing in faith, some things take time. You stay with the Word, though. If you commanded your angel to do something, you just continue to thank him. I thank you, angels, that you're working on my behalf. But now when you start... Walk, talking contrary to what you commanded them to do, they stop. Whoa, they get confused. First he says he believes he's blessed, and then he believes he's asking where's the money going to come from. They get into confusion. No, stay with the Word. Keep your mouth only saying what God's Word says. And that brings us down to another step. Don't speak anything contrary to the Word of God concerning your promise. Do not speak anything contrary to the word of God concerning your promise. Proverbs 6.2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will, will eat its fruit. If your mouth doesn't change, your fruit won't change. Your mouth has to be speaking what the word says. What this will cause... It'll cause you to be a person of less words. Because you'll be walking very close, watching very closely what you're saying. Now, you'll say things once in a while in jest. That doesn't hurt anything. That's just things that you're saying. But try to discipline yourself not to do that. So that it, it, what it will do, it will help you to make sure that you're always speaking things in line with what His Word says. And the last two things... Believe that you received the promise. Therefore, I say unto you, Mark eleven twenty four, What things soever you desire, when you pray, 
Believe you receive them. Notice, and you shall have them. Future tense. Believe I receive them when I pray. That's faith. And I will have them. Still faith, but it's a future tense. I heard this statement made by, I think it was Creflo Dollar that made this statement. I really liked it. He said, uh, sometimes you have to fake it until you make it. What's he talking about? Acting like it's so, even though it's not yet manifest. Scriptures are that way. The Scriptures tell us in Ephesians, put on. Notice what it says? Put on. It means act it out. Act like you're healed. Act like you're prosperous. Now, don't do something stupid. Don't, don't go ahead and put money on credit cards so you can look like you're prosperous. Now, you can go to Walmart or Target or whatever, and you can buy something very inexpensive, and you can make it look very nice. And then maybe someday you can buy clothes at a more expensive place. But begin acting like it. He tells us in the Scripture, of course, what he's saying is put on the new man. While he's telling us to do the things on the inside. But there's also an action on the outside that has to come and has to line up with that. So, we got to believe that we received the promise. And, of course, we do that by giving him thanks. I thank you, Father. It's mine. I have it now. It belongs to me, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, we're all very familiar with Mark 11:23, speaking under the mountain. We just read here Mark 11:24, believing that we received it. But don't ever forget Mark 11:25. Mark 11.25 tells us that if we have ought against any, to forgive them. Make sure that you're walking in forgiveness. If there's any one area that will stumble us up. Jesus thought it was so important. He said Mark 11.22 to have the God kind of faith. Mark 11.23 told us what the God kind of faith is. Mark 11.24 told us to believe that we receive when we pray. But Mark 11.25, he says, but make sure that you don't have ought against anybody. Now, if you do, all you have to do is be quick to repent. It's that simple. But you do that by faith, too. Believing that when you repented, God heard you, and when He hears, He forgives and He forgets. So you forget it. And when the enemy brings that thought back to your mind, or brings that person back to your mind, and that yucky feeling comes up on the inside again, say, no! I've already confessed that. God's forgiven me. He's forgot it. I forget it. And go on. And just push that thing down. No, there's promises. God wants you and I to walk in these promises. He wants us to to walk in the fullness of these promises. In fact, He wants you and I to take on His very character and His nature. That we look and we act and we talk and we walk just like Him. Amen? Is Rocco here? Can you bring him up? Let's pray for him. Yes. That what? Oh, okay. I want to pray for Rocco first. He's got some things going on in his little body. No more. Right, Rocco? Now, you know what the Word says, don't you? You were brought up under this. I'm going to lay hands on you. The healing power of God's going to come on to you. And everything negative that took place with that concussion has got to totally reverse itself. So, Father, I speak to his, his mind, his brain, his head, every part of his being, Father God. And, Lord God, we take authority now in the name of Jesus Every negative thing that took place with this concussion, I command it to be reversed. I command complete restoration. Complete restoration. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, thank you, Father. Arranging and rearranging. Thank you, Father God. Complete. There it is. Complete restoration now. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your healing power in this young man. Oh, my, my. Thank you, Father God. Glory to God. There you go, young man. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You mean when I fell down the steps? Is that what you were talking about? You want to tell it? Oh, angels. I might have shared this story once before. It was about two years ago. It was about two years ago. I get up early in the morning and usually make myself a cup of coffee and go back to my office. Spend some time in prayer, spend some time in the Word, whatever. But I have a tendency to always do it in the dark because I know the house real well. But I was in our kitchen, and, and the setting of our kitchen is, if you walk down this hallway, there's a bathroom over here on the right, and at the, and at the end of the hallway is the door that goes, the, the main door that comes in the house, and my office is just off on the left. But as you walk down, right beside this hallway, though, is the exit to go downstairs to go into the garage. So this particular day, didn't have my cup of coffee, fortunately, but had my phone in my hand, because I'd gotten an email, and I'm sitting here playing with my phone, in the dark. And I'm just walking. But I'm walking down the wrong hall. And I take a step, and there's nothing beneath me. And B brought this back up last night after Pastor John was talking about the angels. I mean, I took three steps, and I was at the bottom of the stairs. The only thing I did was rub my shoulder. And it's, I don't know how many, it's probably about 15, 20 steps going down. It's a long way. I should have broke my neck. At least broken the leg. But it's like... It's like I took a step, and it was like three-fourths of the way down, I hit a step, and then I hit another step, and I end up hitting the wall at the bottom. The phone was still in my hand. And B says, what happened? She was sitting in our, in our family room. She says, what happened? I says, I just went downstairs. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even realize what had happened until it was over. Now, there was a case. I didn't have time to dispatch my angel. They were already there. But see, I do believe in them. Always have. I mean, I can give you story after story where angels have intervened in, our, in, my, in my life. At least three or four of them, but that, we don't have time for that. So, take this word. Back to basics. Find your promise. Hang on to it. Meditate on that promise. Take off. Don't let go of that promise of God. It doesn't return void. It will accomplish what you send it to do, but you've got to be talking. If you don't get anything else, get this. Faith works by words, not thinking. If you're not speaking, you're not in faith. It requires words. How many times are you willing to say it? Yeah, but Pastor Craig, it seems so repetitious. I don't care. You're building on the inside. You're building Legos on the inside. Every time you say it, you're building on it. And I don't care if it's a month, a week, a month. Six months, a year, 18 months. That manifestation has got to come into pass. It's got to come. It has to come. But stay in faith. And do this. Surround yourself with people of like faith. You come to church when the doors are open. Because you'll get a word from God. Don't ever take whoever is standing behind that pulpit as the man. You go to hear from God. And I promise you, He'll give you a nugget every time if you go expecting it. Amen. Father, we just trust that we went the direction you went. That deposits were made in the lives of your people. Father, we thank you for your healing manifestation in little Rocco's body right now in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and we thank you for the good report, Father God. Because we know, Father, 
Your word says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we consider it done, Father God. But we give you the praise for everything that's accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and have a great week.